What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. Uh, this is episode number 266. My name is Steve, one of the co-hosts of the show, and I'm joined by... Ronald. And John. There it is. Hello. The three best friends that anyone could ever yeah. have. Oh, there yeah. There it was. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, man. Good to see you guys. Yeah. We're doing this two weeks in a row. We got uh, a Zoom going mm-hmm. uh, when we do this these episodes to kind of uh, get those beautiful faces I'm talking about you two, of course. Yes, well, you look awesome uh, as well, sir. <clears throat> in in my view here, so it's nice to see you guys. And uh, I don't know, we're going to get together today, I think, just to do some catch-up. We've done some episodes recently where we really have kind of zoned in on, you know, a, a featured review. or like last week talking a lot about Lovecraft Country. But, um, you know, we've watched some random things. And just in the past week, there's been some things that have happened, uh, you know, like the DC fandom, and there's some news that broke a couple days ago. Well, throughout this whole week, but at a couple points I wanted to bring up. So I think we'll just kind of do an old-fashioned kind of catch-up or grab bag or whatever you want to call it. Mm. Um, yeah. Just just chit-chat a little bit. You know what I mean? Just chit-chat. Right. Yeah. Not be trying to get oh. to something. The the Getting there will be the something. Right. Uh, yeah, right. absolutely. Um, so I guess in the age of covid and everything festivals and all things that were physical have now gone to digital man and uh right or to drive in the, my hometown festival or the drive-in. like has become like a drive-in thing and i think that's really, oh, that's really cool yeah that's really cool that really yeah, cool. although it, it, it pisses me off though because they always have a good lineup it's the sidewalk film festival in uh, birmingham alabama and i was hoping they would go online this year and i was like oh finally i'll be part of the fun without having to fly home or something um but uh, it's really grown. Like it started around the time I left, and in like twenty years, it's become a you know a really really interesting eclectic festival. They seem to be they're like a, an autumn festival. They seem to get some of the movies that like would be here in the spring, and some that we haven't gotten yet. But it's like oh. it's on that cycle of like maybe maybe eight to ten months behind all the huge festivals. But some pretty interesting films would come through. So no, I always gotcha. I'm always sad to miss that's it. Cool. So that's yeah, that's that's the thing. I haven't done the drive-in thing yet though. I I, I know some people that have. Um, I guess they just haven't had the movie that would make me say that sounds like it would be fun and worth it. Have you guys like done the drive-in? Or just, I've, I've never just been to a drive-in, in no. <clears throat> in life? No. Oh, my what? God. No. Oh, man. There, so there was a time when I'd hang out with a couple Apple people, and I've done it a couple times. So Tom, Tom Weber, Apple used to go, we used to go up a body of water <laughs> with, with inner tubes and... Like just go down this, I don't know what is this a lake maybe mm-hmm. I don't know, yeah. And then after that, go to Benji's, which was super fun. Although yeah. I didn't realize how deep that water was until we were like in the water, and he's like, "Yeah, somebody like passed away last week from it." I'm like, "Okay, you should have told me that before we got into this water." But it was it was amazing. And Benji's, I I went a lot when I was a it's kid. Cool. And then, yeah. as an adult, it just became. <clears throat> when I was little, there there was one I used to go up to all the time. I, I have like vivid memories. This like drive-in experience. It was like I don't even. To me, it felt weekly, but I'm sure it wasn't, and probably mm. was monthly. I don't know. But uh, up in York, Pennsylvania, they had oh. a really nice drive-in, and my parents only lived like maybe a half hour from there, and we used to go up all the time. And I'd like it's just a stereotypical like station wagon pop the back you know drive-in movie thing Mm -hmm. and some of the best memories i've had like has been that and even like 
you know, when we had Sydney, like we, in that first year, you know, year and a half of like when she was really little, you know, we didn't do a ton of movies, especially together. We'd have date nights here and there. But mm. one time, I know we went for it and they did like a, like a double thing at Benji's. We went and saw, that's how we saw Star is Born. Um, oh. We actually, we took Sydney with us, like in her carrier. She like slept the whole time, obviously, because <laughs> it was like late. Dang. But she's just like sleeping in the car and we watched, uh, I think it was like Bohemian Rhapsody and Stars Born and something else, but yeah, it's a really fu- that's really surprising that you haven't been to a drive-in, John. Oh, that seems John. like John. that seems like something you would like have experienced even in your you know youth or like just your hometown, like even having a drive-in festival. Like that just. I mean, you'd think that That's I would cool. have been to one when I was a kid or something, but it just never yeah. happened. And I can't remember that there was a prominent drive-in the way that one, the way that yeah. Benji's is here. I don't remember Birmingham having one of those, but I might be completely wrong about that. You know, sometimes your parents can just decide not, that something's not happening, and therefore it's not a part of yeah. your childhood. Yeah. <laughs> so it it's possible exists. that my parents yes. were just not interested in going to the drive-in, and that's why it never seemed like an option. But uh, I, now that I yeah. think about it, there could have been drive-in movie listings right next to the regular theaters my whole life but i just thought just we're not drive-in yeah. people <laughs> you know it's like, i think i think i think this sounds like something that we need to make well happen. yeah yes, like, i think i think we should do this even we should try to figure something out like the benji's is easily accessible for all of us and yeah like, yeah even even socially distanced you yeah know, maybe we could go check something we can out run there. by charmery first and get our ice cream and then we <laughs> right. can go get the yeah. ice cream that i owe you guys yeah, yeah, right you'd be surprised how many marylanders don't know about benji's man i oh i'm not i'm not surprised yeah. actually once once every it's couple crazy. weeks i'll have a conversation I, somebody's like what there's a what the bit yeah. is so crazy so yeah that's definitely i would love to go i yeah, we should do that. Yeah, man, that sounds incredible. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, you were saying, Ronald, go ahead. You were saying in the time of all this before we kind of sidetracked. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, everything's gone to digital. Um, the DNC, the RNC. Um, and Those famous film festivals. Comic-Con. Comic-Con. <laughs> Comic-Con. Uh, and then... DC Fandom, which was a very random, what seemed like a, a random. random event. A random <laughs> event that was announced around the time of Comic-Con that yeah. it really didn't have any shape or uh, anything like that prior to the announcement. So nobody had really known a whole festival devoted to one comic book brand like this that was all online. But so I, all came, I saw was the Batman trailer, or the trailer for the Batman. I oh, should be clear what? about that. So you guys oh, should talk me through. I saw a lot of people that were enjoying the the stuff that was happening yeah. at Fandom, but I just didn't happen to be in front of my computer at that time, and it never occurred to me to go back and look. And then when I knew we were doing this episode, I thought I'll just let my good friends uh, Ronald and Steve talk me through it. So yeah, t- tell me about <laughs> Fandom. It seemed like uh, it went well, right? A lot of people seemed to enjoy the content. Maybe people are just starved for something, but seems like they pulled off a good online event. Yeah, I mean, if I could be completely honest, man, like, I I think it's, like, one of the best online events that I've ever seen done. Um, the schedule was very clear and online, and they abided by the time. They, I mean, yeah. down to the second, it seemed like sometimes. Like, I'm like, this isn't going to end at 7 o'clock. Oh, 7 o'clock, <laughs> the next segment yeah. will go. Um, and it covered everything from... Uh, DC's TV stuff to um, some comic book, a little bit of comic book announcements and their video game properties and movie properties and some looks into some things that we just didn't know anything about up until 
this event, which was incredible. Steve, would you, what was your experience? Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, like, I feel like going into it, especially like the, the little bit of some of the Comic-Con at home stuff I watched, which was, you know, it was a good effort, but I felt in, in general that was a pretty big miss, a pretty uh, underwhelming experience. Like, you just can't recreate that, like that like kind of hall H vibe, kind of that panel vibe, you know, that, that felt like a lot of zoom calls kind of going in and out. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of like was really impressed for the sessions that I kind of got online to check out. Um, you know, just how well produced it was. I feel like they did a really good job at trying to be more precise and making it feel like you are kind of just watching something, um, in, in, uh, not in a hall. I mean, like this do- this literal dome that they created that apparently like Jim Lee designed and like all this stuff that, um, you know, they're trying to make it look like virtually they're in these spaces together in some way. Um, you know, and I, I just thought it went off really well. I think that they kind of were able to reproduce some of that buzz that comes out of the conventions, that comes out of the panels, that comes out of the Hall H reveals. Um online basically like it was smart putting a lot of the stuff out online as soon as it aired uh during the fandom yeah that was crazy you know like so people that you know could immediately just catch on and it just kind of could trend or you know could go viral or whatever but yeah i don't know i i I was in general I, i just i was really impressed it was it was better than i thought it would be and i was way more in interested in the some of the properties than I thought I would be coming out of it. I mean, like certain ones, like I knew I was all in on like the Batman, like, you know, um, and like Wonder Woman and stuff like that. But, you know, seeing more from the Suicide Squad, you know, little bits here and there about Aquaman 2 and, you know, uh, Black Adam and Shazam. It's just like, you know, there wasn't like tons of information there. There wasn't tons of like huge reveals really. Um, that didn't that that you could tell like weren't already kind of in the pipeline for a long time that they just kind of were sitting on for this event and I think it was smart probably for them to do that but yeah coming away from it it's it's got to be the most successful attempt at this I think since going virtual and you know whether it's a festival or it's you know any any kind of attempt at this communal experience where like you're just buzzing about information or buzzing about seeing something you know, I think it was, they, they've got to see it as a really big success. And, um, you know, talking about, we can talk a little more about like what they talked about or what they revealed or whatever, but just as an experience and as a production, I, I thought they did a really good job and I was pretty impressed by it for sure. Yeah. It, it seemed like the key to it was brevity. Like every, yeah. everything was a half an hour and then yeah, the discussions that went a little longer, um, they they made them very exciting. So that that was the key. The 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 half an hour increments for the panels was key. It, they they like got in and got out and did it in a way that felt like you got enough information. And uh, they were I, you're right. They they it seemed like they were keeping stuff in the pipeline. But we we got to look at a bunch of stuff that we just hadn't seen prior to it, and then some explanation as to how the TV world and the movie world works. And the idea that, like, there is essentially going to be a multiverse. Like, right. the TV version is the TV version, and it's still running concurrently with the movie world. And at some point, sometimes, maybe they could go somewhere, but it seems like the priority seems to be in HBO Max. And that's where the connecting tissue is going to be. But there's no disrespect to the Warner Brothers 
sort of uh, level, and they will be within the multiverse too, which is really cool. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever seen something that was handled in a way that it was. I know that it's going to be a little hard for people that are used to the Marvel setting, which is a little like everything's kind of attached to each other. It all is one consistent thing that leads to this big right. arc. Right. But this is a this is a look into the way that comic books are kind of handled in IRL. I mean, if you want to get into it, the idea that like there could be a Batman comic that is running concurrently with another one. There could be a detective one that's running the same way that a like a nostalgic yeah. one. I, how do you feel about that? I mean, in the comics, that kind of stuff only matters when they want to do some big event or make some big change, and then they they sort of have to sort of sort of reveal how certain com- at least this is how they did it when I used to read them that they would occasionally have something that would have a ripple effect where where every Batman comic would show oh yeah. oh Commissioner Gordon is dead and it's like okay you, then you realize well these are all part of the same world or there'd be a crossover and you'd realize these were all actually happening at the same time but but sometimes yeah. it would be explicitly. <clears throat> an alternate world or a different reality or a different timeline or something. And you would know that. And I think in DC, especially there were multiple versions of characters that they've, they've at different times tried to clean up the universe and, and, and winnow it down to uh, you know, one or two worlds so that it's not so confusing, but then they'll, they just right. start expanding it again. And so I think it is interesting that the movies in both Marvel and DC right now seem to be dipping into alternate versions. I mean, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse was totally, uh, you know, Marvel's kind of first stab at the multiverse in their movies. And then the, the, the Dr. Strange movie that's being made right now has multiverse in the title, uh, multiverse of madness, I think. Right. Um, so anyway, I think that this is where they're going with some of this stuff. I think the fact that right now DC is sort of, or Warner's, they're sort of coming right out and saying, um, these are, are separate worlds and this is all happening on this world. And this is, you know, I mean, they're starting to say some of that stuff, which to me is cool that they're sort of turning just the realities of, of multi-platform uh, properties like this and turning it into sort of an in-universe thing, which is to say that there, there's talk that, uh, you know, Ben Affleck is going to be in the new Flash movie. There's talk that Michael Keaton yeah. is going to pop up as some version of, of maybe his Batman. So, I mean, the fact that they're basically going to some in some way say all these versions that we've seen are part of this thing that they're doing now, it's it sort of it kind of in a fun way creates the impression that they knew what they were doing all along when, of course, they, they haven't. It's kind of been catch-as-catch-can. But I do think that this offering, just, just from reading the, the news that came out of Fandom and just seeing the things that I saw, the clips, uh, and like I said, particularly the Batman trailer, um, I don't know. It does seem like DC has kind of found its footing in a lot of ways. Like, we used to have this conversation about what are they doing and why are they doing it this way and, and, and why are these the movies that they're making in this style? And now it seems like they've opened that up to the point where... Um, they, there's room for Zack Snyder's uh, version that's going to come out on HBO Max next year, and there's going to be another Batman movie, and there's going to be Ben Affleck <laughs> in another <laughs> movie. Yeah. I mean, there's just all this stuff that they're doing at once, and by saying, oh yeah, this is also something where in our world, there are multiple worlds. I don't know. That just to me seems kind of, it seems clever, and it seems like us, uh, like they are finally doing their own thing. Absolutely. I think after, you, you look at like their attempt at what they did with the Snyder films and like you know I guess the the first iterations of like those character releases like with Justice League build up and whatnot but like you you just we talked about it a lot back on the podcast when those were coming out but it just seems like they did realize or hopefully they realized that like they tried to do the Marvel thing and it just did not work it backfired you know you tried to kind of oversee it to the point of creating movies that 
whenever maybe in cases like we've heard from air and snyder like we're not movies that the filmmakers made you know or they wanted to make or whatever the case may have been they were trying to make these movies a certain way to kind of try that marvel formula and it didn't work for them uh in many many ways and it is kind of a good move i think for them just to say you know, we're going to make these things that may have nothing to do with one another and maybe they do and maybe they exist in the same, you know, multiverse or whatever case may be. But, you know, their success they found with Joker and like, you know, they, they, they got to continue. They got to conti- they have to continue success where they found it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the Aquaman, the Wonder Woman, Joker, you know, whatever happens with that. And they have to find it where it failed. So, you know, what they're doing with retrying the Suicide Squad with James Gunn. And, you know, Shazam is kind of like a middle of the pack kind of hit slash fan, you know, fans really like that movie. And I did. Um, So I I think it's important that they kind of try to actually do what you just described, John, and not try to change course once they actually get into it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just think that that's the key for them is just to continue success where they had it and find it where it failed. And I think that's, it sounds like that's what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like with what Reeves is doing, you know, mentioning the HBO max show that the Gotham year one, that's going to be a tie in with this movie, or the Gotham PD, whatever it's going to yeah. be called. Like yeah. that's all good stuff, man. Like that's all really smart. Sounds good. It, yeah. It keeps people satiated. Like it's, it's just really, it's really smart and hopefully it all works out. So, but, yeah. um, there's a, there's a rumor that, um, Michael Keaton's Batman is supposed to be like the Nick Fury of the middle right. of the multiverse, which I think is really cool. The idea that he's coming in and maybe guiding some of this stuff, because I understand that like, um, like it's not going to be on the same path of Marvel, but there's some going to be there's going to be some connective tissue between some of the movies and some of the shows, and to know that there might be some stable elements yeah. in between those is. I think it's nuts, man. It's really cool. So, um, speaking of the Matt Reeves thing, what did you guys think of the trailer for the Batman? I mean, <laughs> I, I I thought it was great. I mean, I can't I kind of can't believe that that they managed to get like some sort of teaser together like yeah. that when when reportedly they've only shot a quarter of the movie, right. but it somehow seems to have captured the tone from everything I've read about it and even has he described it, which I loved listening to him talk about this movie. Me too. Um, if you didn't see his little panel, John, I'd, I'd recommend watching it. I know we're all fans of his. And like, yeah. just the way he described uh, the approach to Gotham and just his approach to this movie, it's just like it hits the mark for, I think, all of what we're looking for. You know, with another chance at doing a Batman movie, it does feel like something that may you know, maybe something wholly different, which would be really cool. And yeah, the trailer, I think just shows, you know, he mentioned a lot of things during there about like, you know, um, like Chinatown and the French connection, a lot of like seventies noir detective Mm. thrillers. And you know, that definitely comes off in this little teaser. I mean, it it even gives me like Fincher vibes, like just the way it's shot and the way it looks. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I just, I just love the idea of like detective Batman, that whole portion of the story. And, this, you know, the the vibe of their, you know, being like a serial killer in Gotham and how, oh, yeah. like, that that just seems, um, yeah, I don't know, not the word exciting is good. I'm not excited about a serial, but just in terms of the story, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, we're not seeing like, we're not seeing like, you know, uh, costumed villains, you know, we're not seeing these things, you know, and 
I'm not going to say like you know the gritty Gotham or like you know whatever you want to whatever the the dark and grim Snyder movies. It's it's the Nolan. It's none of that stuff. It just seems different. It seems more a little more simple in ways and not as like polished as the Nolan Batman uh, films and definitely not as dark as the Snyder stuff. But it see it feels it feels grim. I guess you know it feels like. Um, whatever the Riddler has going on and, you know, these, these early origins of the Riddler and the Penguin and Catwoman, like, it just all looks cool. I can't believe it's only 25% of the movie that yeah. they managed to kind of get that tone out in a teaser. Yeah. And if that sticks, I, 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 I'm really excited to see it. Very excited to see it. Me too. Um, so, I, I mean, you know, I've been reading Batman comics, like, on and off since I was a kid. And the detective element is literally... Batman. Like, I don't know why that's never... So, it, but when you see the movies, something's on the wall, and he's like, I think that's the Joker. And that's it. That's about the extent of it. He punches a couple people and asks a couple questions. But really, what I've known to be... Whatever Batman that I've come to know has some element of him going around busting skulls and asking questions and figuring things out and maybe making some mistakes... Matt Reeves pointing out that this is the, you know, this is the rough Batman before he he creates some barriers when it comes to who he is as a person. And maybe he may go a little overboard and he has the self-control that we kind of have come to know him uh, to have in the movies. He doesn't seem to have even in the trailer. Well, I, I have a little bit of an issue with that. People always talk about Batman not killing. And I agree that the, that the whole system of who Batman is breaks down if he's just a, a cold-blooded killer. But I know that when people say, oh, I can't believe they had him do this in this movie because Batman (laughs) doesn't kill. It seems to me that he kills a lot of people. We just don't dwell on it. Like like he'll knock a car off the road or, you know, and it's got three guys in it, but we don't dwell on (laughs) their bodies. But I don't know. This whole idea, I think it's funny that Batman, they always talk about how he doesn't kill. But I don't know that they, I don't know that in the Nolan movies or in the Burton movies or in the, definitely not in the Snyder movies, do they go out of their way to show us him trying not to kill people? I think they do occasionally show him like tying up a bunch of guys or something or delivering them to the police but it doesn't to me imply that that's what's happening to everybody but i would say that most superhero movies there's there's collateral damage we we just are are not encouraged to dwell on where explosions are happening and buildings are falling down you know they they always make little little uh uh, like they'll show people evacuating and you can say oh i guess everyone got out but um no so i think the idea that batman doesn't kill uh is kind of funny because it seems to me that left and right he's he's reckless he's killing people. um but yes i think that idea of a younger more ruthless there's that shot in the trailer where he was just he, he gets the guy down and then he could just, he just kind of decides to pound on him some more you know it's the quick little moment yeah. um it, which is a spin on the who are you i'm batman kind of moment that we've seen before so it never even occurred to me that made me laugh so much in the trailer it didn't even occur to me that maybe that's a hint at the way the story is presenting you know bruce yeah. or batman is that he is not yet "Quote unquote," decided not to kill people. <laughs> Did you, have you seen the problem that people have with his hair? Like him not looking polished uh, enough. Pe- people keep saying like the first like, emo Batman, but I kind of think if they think it's the first emo Batman, they haven't noticed Batman before. He's ex- extremely yeah. emo. Um, <laughs> I mean, I get it. He doesn't have like a you know. That's like a thing that they do a lot of the times in right. the comic to make him seem like oh he's he's well to do. He has a lot of money. He he. 
But you know what he looks like in the trailer with his hair kind of flopped over? It reminds me of an old, like, 40s movie where the guy who's got his hair slicked back gets in a fight and his hair flops down. And you go, oh, yeah, I guess these guys with their hair slicked back in these 40s movies, they all have floppy hair. We just don't know it, you know? Um, So to me, it almost felt like it was in that vein. And that's the vibe I'm getting. I will say that, and I I think the movie looks cool. If I have a complaint, it's not even really a complaint. It's just a a statement. I don't know that I need it to be literally that dark looking, (laughs) but... But that may be oh, the right, footage right, that they right. have. But I, for me, yeah. that look feels very kind of claustrophobic and weird. And I, if, if the whole movie's like that and it's cool, fine. But to me, that look and feel, I like the... I don't know. I like the, the real world where there's light and stuff. So I hope that it's not just murky but for the purpose of the trailer the way batman moves through the shadows and he kind of seems i don't know it it seems like it's really a good way to introduce some of the scenes is to show it in this kind of um it just makes me feel like the movie's going to have a feel and the scenes are going to have a look to them and i and that i'm excited about and also matt reeve just seemed like uh, he's he's that type of director i just don't think he would waste his shot at something big like this agreed and this feels like like a very multicultural sort of film mm-hmm. I, something came into my head man if if jeffrey wright is black and he's commissioner gordon that means that batgirl yeah is gonna be black yeah catwoman black i i yeah. just wasn't expecting that sort of thing and i think it's really the cool. penguin i mean covered in latex pe- what who knew <laughs> the fucking penguin unrecognizable so we're sure that's him we're sure that's colin farrell yes, in it crazy is absolutely okay. him. yeah i guess i guess i get it i mean it's like if you know an actor wants to so transform cool. and it's a something new and something you can't see anywhere else but i do also wonder what's what's the take on the character that we're going right. to get and frankly from what you said steve about this if this is actually 25 percent of the movie uh, that in, to me means that maybe Catwoman, Penguin, Riddler—all these are actual characters, like through the movie, and yeah, not just cameos. True. Because when you hear all those people are in this movie, it sounds like well, somebody's going to be a cameo. But if they've already yeah. shot that much with everybody that they had at least some footage to use, that makes me wonder if maybe we're going to get this view of Batman's world that we've never quite gotten in one movie before, where it's like yeah. we are thrown yeah. into a world where a lot is already established and a lot of characters are already in action that just kind of feels like that kind of year one period i'm not as interested in in batman turning into batman but i am very interested in that kind of uh you know a young lean as we've said a detective a guy who's going around you know poking around and hasn't quite established himself uh, so much i do think that's cool and so to think that some of his his rogues gallery is already going to be present i like that uh take versus some of the movies we see where it's like oh one at a time his rogues you know develop and come out of the shadows so sure but yeah, who knows what to expect? I don't want to see his parents get killed. Mm-mm. Somebody did. Somebody did a a, think, a yeah, simultaneous video of all the scenes where his parents died in all the iterations, like the movies, the cartoons, and it's too much, man. It's over like ten times we've seen on screen of the same scene over and over and over again sometimes multiple times with pearls for some reason pearls seem to be like a thing where you gotta watch them fall in slow motion <laughs> yes <laughs> in the puddle of blood mm-hmm. and the, it's like come on man we can't i don't think he's gonna do it though no. I'm, I'm i'm gathering that he's just all the cliches he seems to be turning left at so any other news i was gonna mention uh it was uh, announced, I think, today or yesterday, since we talked about Tiger King so much mm-hmm. uh, when it came out, that uh, the series, that, I don't know if you guys saw, that the series that Kate McKinnon is 
kind of starring in and also i think she's a executive producer on mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. but that it's um it's getting this kind of like unique i don't even know that it's been done before but um nbc universal basically announced that they're doing a like a straight to series order for this limited series but that it's not just coming you know to NBC or Peacock or USA, which they own all of, but that apparently it's going to be like a, a like a simultaneous rollout across those three platforms. Oh, wow. So if you're broadcast, if you're a streamer, or you know their basic cable channel, that the whatever NBC Universal has, there's going to be some version of this movie or this series, or like I don't know if it's going to be a weekly thing if you have broadcasts or if you have peacock if it's going to be i don't know how they're doing it but apparently it's 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 kind of like a i don't think it's been done before kind of thing from what i was reading that this series is going to be one of the first attempts that they do this for where you know it's going to go across the board in terms of all the platforms that they have for original programming which is kind of crazy if you think about yeah you know just just the idea of what over the top stuff has become like Peacock and Apple and all these mm-hmm. things that people just sign up for directly that, you know, you could, I could belong to Peacock. My parents could watch, you know, NBC and, you know, my brother could watch USA, you know, the network, you know, the basic cable network and all watching the same series as it rolls out, which is kind of crazy. That's really cool. Um, and interesting. And it kind of just, I think is showing how they're trying to leverage, you know, what they own. Like, the, like this is an example of, a conglomerate that has all of these channels under one umbrella. So, you know, instead of having it and saying, we're going to get, take this to Peacock, this is a property that they think is kind of like a multi bracket item, like where it needs to be available everywhere. So that this is something that is like one of our landmark or our marquee titles that we have. Mm. And it's apparently, this is the one that they're, that this is the one that they're doing it for like straight to series. You do order. it with movies. They're available in different outlets sure. owned by different companies. You do it with music, especially nowadays, you know, like, yep. and I'm, yeah, I'm getting well. ready to put something out. And I know when you put out your stuff, Ronald too, you, it's like, Amazon, Google Play, Apple, Spotify, it's all in, you know, theoretically, I, I know I have subscriptions to a couple of those, you know what I mean? And I don't have, I'm not yeah. like a loyalist of any one of them necessarily. So yeah, that idea that it should be available in different places, I mean, that it's like, it's a no brainer, even though it does seem like it kind of flies in the face of what we think a streaming service or a channel or a whatever network wants to do, which is say, yeah. here's the reason you come to us. But if, right. I mean, I was talking about this just recently with Peacock about how you would assume that all the stuff that NBC has aired would be headed for Peacock. But of course there are different studios involved sometimes and they may have their own outlet at some point so that idea of networks versus studios has always been kind of an an interesting one like that networks will produce stuff uh that is not necessarily their show um and vice versa so yeah this just seems i mean it makes perfect sense but it is it is an odd thing um and it reminds me that that series did sound kind of interesting and i still wonder kind of tonally what it's going to be is this going to be kate mckimmon really amping up the comedy of that scenario or is she going to be doing something a little bit more you know i don't know nuanced might be the word but uh i'm curious about that i'm also curious how much we're going to give a shit about carol baskin by the time this show comes out but maybe it'll be great you know (laughs) maybe it'll be super funny and that'll be the thing she tends to chime in on random things so i feel like she's gonna stay relevant until then just off of the strength of her commenting on random things with animal any animal involved right she comments on it so yeah It'll be interesting. It's an interesting uh, news item. Just 
uh, a kind of a first. So we'll see what that looks yeah. like. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I, anything. I mean, I guess we could just check in a little bit of other stuff that we've watched mm-hmm. this week. Have you guys checked anything out that, you know, we're not going to be talking about on future podcasts. <laughs> a lot of what I watched is stuff we're doing for future shows. Yeah, same. But same, we same, have finished same. our oh, community same. rewatch on uh, streaming and have moved on to Last Man on Earth rewatching that. And um, nice. honestly, first episode, the pandemic starts in 2020. I know. And we just finished the second season, which I don't know if you remember once uh, Jason Sudeikis came on the show as uh, Will Forte's brother, Mike. I mean, it's yeah. a funny show, but it had moments of real pathos. And the way they handle the whole, like, people dying from this disease is grim and and almost feels like that was one of the the guiding principles of that show was going to be that they're going to have yeah. this very slapsticky situational comedy and occasionally they're going to remind you that the reason all these characters are this ad hoc family is because they are somehow immune or um uh, as we now know maybe they were the they were asymptomatic carriers i actually think I read somewhere that that's where they were going for episode, for season five was going to be them oh, getting wow. amongst a group of people and infecting and killing them, but all of them surviving. So revealing that wow. they weren't <laughs> just immune, they were they're asymptomatic carriers. But when, when I heard wow. Will Forte reveal that, I was like, oh, that sounds like a, a situation where he knows there's not going to be a, a follow-up movie or a follow-up series because he's telling what was going to happen, you know, right. Anyway, it, it's been very poignant and, and odd and very much like the experience of rewatching community. It reminds me of like, Oh yeah, I loved that show when it was on because it was fucking great. Uh, uh, last man on earth has got some fantastic comic performances in it. A great ensemble. I've said it on the show before, but it's been a few years maybe. Uh, but so that, that's been a fun, a fun thing. And it's been fun with Henry now rewatching, you know, with the, there's a lot of sex comedy on that show and he was a little too young for it the first time around. So now that he's mm, able yeah. to, kind of laugh at those jokes uh um you know it's been i mean fucking will forte is hilarious as that character he, he, he i know i know hilarious. there are people that didn't like that show because they couldn't take him and they didn't like him you know too much he's such a weasel but all of his little nervous tics are so funny will forte is just one of those guys who like who goes for the funny mm-hmm. i gotta i i watched like uh the first season yeah and i, I, may, I need to catch up well, it's, it, it's all over Hulu. Okay, yeah, I'll check it out. How do you feel about him being in MacGruber? Well, I think I think him, whatever he wants to do at this point, like, that's the show he gets to make right now. I, You know, I have a feeling it's going to be some funny stuff. So, you know, yeah. I don't think they would come back to it if they didn't have a concept. So, um, right. he's a guy who I sort of trust the created by Will Forte label. Yeah, he's so funny. Um, I watched a little uh, Brockmire. I'm, like, two episodes from finishing it. Um the last season was not funny for to me for the first like two or three episodes. I thought that it was I was gonna basically like turn it off, but it found its pacing after a while. Like I know this was the season that uh, Hank kind of felt like nobody was watching, um, but I think I think Brock Myers is a really really good show that has no audience. It seems like, but um, it's so funny. It's so fucking funny. Like it's, and it, it has a pace to it and a heart to it that I just, um, it's no Ted Lasso. I'll tell you what, <laughs> this but is, this is, this is true. Yo, this is true. you want to make me cry? <laughs> I know, oh, right? Yeah. Speaking you of Jason Sudeikis. Yeah. Great. Oh God, man. Love it. Love it. What? Like this, this show has snuck up on me and become my, you know, one of my favorite shows. They- 
They said uh, it got renewed. I do see it got renewed yeah. for a second season, yeah. and then it was like their highest watched. I don't know if it was comedy or one of the highest watched original original series or something on Apple. It's TV. one of the first shows I've heard people talking about in a while, honestly, on that on Me that uh, service. So, um, but also, yeah, what you said is so true, Steve. It's just a it's just a burst of positive energy, and it's interesting watching yeah. Jason Sudeikis on Last Man on Earth around the same time and just realizing like that is that kind of affability is something he does really well, and he can kind of just hold an expression and have this expression of like total sincerity, and it does kind of on Ted lasso it does kind of melt your heart at the same time as he's like silly he's not quite like peewee herman or mr bean or somebody like that but he yeah. is a little bit of like an outsized character in a world that's you know what i mean that's yeah uh, he hums at a different frequency from the people around him and i do think that's it's great for him to find that kind of vehicle for his for his comedy which i've always loved but it's always been that kind of he's an upbeat guy <laughs> somehow that's his that's his shtick <laughs> that's totally it yeah no it's i love that show um did you? Did either of you watch Project Power? Yes. Oh God, man. How is it? I, I liked it, man. So did I. I liked it. It's I'm fine. I'm not gonna lie to you. It's a fun. You're in a safe. You're you're in a safe space. It, it's it's not great, I, but look, I I, I kind of watched it. I watched it knowing nothing. Literally, I didn't even watch the trailer. I watched it knowing nothing about it, mm -hmm. and I was like, honestly, this is like a standard action movie, slightly above average. Like, well, let me say, I don't want to say above average. I say it's slightly above oh, I know average. You, it is, man. And it's like, it's like a lot of, this, this is one of their action films. Like, you know, even like with some of the ones they've done, like Extraction, even The Old Guard, which I liked. Like, they're kind of getting to a point where like a lot of these movies feel like they, they, they could be in theater. Like, yeah, you know, they, like, you know, they're, what yeah, mean? Like, they're at a quality point. level where these feel more like, kind of middle of the road they're fun they're kind of simple silly at times but like they're kind of standard theatrical action movies and yeah. you know the past few that i've watched on netflix like again i i liked extraction ogard and what Lips. about bright and how was bright holding up bright is is horrible <laughs> yeah this I, I don't like bright but i mean also the three i mentioned though have come out in the last like three months so i think they've changed Bright though was what was maybe the first thing netflix did though that felt to me like oh they're not just going for that prestige market yeah. they're going yeah, for right. the pulpy right. you know yeah. like yeah. blockbuster anyway but no i know it's not it's, it's no, not part it's not totally part of what right. you're referring to which is this recent spate of like in especially in this new era these are movies that feel like they they could have and, and might have been theatrical movies but the fact that that yeah. now happens on the home scale is is interesting and it, it is something kind of new because these aren't cheap looking movies no no and and you know i think that for the most part the movie works it's got an interesting idea behind it it's pretty simple it gets silly at times and you know, some of the acting is not great, but in general, like Jamie Foxx, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, you know, like, uh, I'm not sure the young girl, the, the, the lead, the other girl. She's lead, not a young girl. That That's the weird How old part. is she? She's like 30. She? She's 30 something. Wow. She plays a 16 year old. She plays like a, she, yeah, she's like, plays like a teenager, right? You watched right? The Deuce, right? Yeah. She was a prostitute in The Deuce, man. Oh, I can't say I remember that. I mean, I'm Yo, sure you I know, know who she is. Her. When you see her in the on the deuce, you'll like you'll know her exact. But she she's very young looking. She looks super young. Whoever she she's was, I thought she was really I think she's good. Thirty one or thirty two. Oh, okay. Oh so God. what's really interesting about this movie, which is a problem with a lot of the movies that they put out, is they're very hard to describe in thirty seconds. 
Project Power can be described in 30 seconds. And and most people who like action movies will say, at least, oh, shit, I'll give that a try. I mean, it's totally it, yeah. it has kind of um, pieces of like a, a superhero movie um, and that and it seems accessible. Like if, if you had the ability to do this, would you do it? And how would you what, what do you think your magic, your power would be if you took this drug that could give you a, you know, magic powers for was it five minutes? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's just that concept alone. And seeing what happens to each person, because a different thing happens for each person when they take the the drug. Yeah, and you don't you don't know what your power is. That's like, incredible, man. It, it yeah. it's one of those things. It's like cool. when you see it happen to somebody, you're like, "What the hell's gonna happen?" And it there's gonna be a second one. It feels like there's gonna be a second one. It, it's good enough of a concept that it doesn't feel like it's restrained to this whole mm-hmm. like I don't you know. It's a good action film. I I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun. I'd, I'd, I'd watch it again. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, the guys that made it are the guys that did, uh, uh, what did they make? They made, like, uh, Paranormal, Paranormal Activity 3, mm. the, um, the really good one, like, that had, like, the, the, the camera on the fan, that whole shot. Mm-hmm. Remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Air, Ariel Fisher and Henry Juice, they did Catfish. Catfish, okay. that's, what, that's also, where I know them from. Yeah. yeah. But just like a random, but kind of like Ariel Shulman and Henry Juice, like kind of like a random thing, though. Like it's like this is like a pretty high concept action movie to to go from you know Catfish to Paranormal Activity three. I think they did the fourth one too to this, but I think they also did that Dave Franco movie Nerve. Do you remember that? I watched with a little Emma bit of Roberts. It. Yes, yeah. yes, that's the one with all of the games, like the yeah, yeah that yeah. actually wasn't yeah. that bad of a movie. It wasn't that bad either. But yeah, I don't know. I I was just curious what you guys if you saw it because uh, man, I like it's it. been it's apparently doing really well on Netflix. It's like uh, every time I look, it's number one. But I liked it. We we did that as our movie night last Friday with our, with my buddy across the country, and uh, who lives across the country rather, and all of us liked it. Like for the most part, like we were surprised. It was kind of again just a kind of silly not even silly just a fun action movie yeah um the only thing other i wanted to mention that i watched this week and i'm i'm gonna be honest like it's probably one of my favorite movies of the year and i just kind of watched it passively i remember hearing about it when it won the documentary prize at sundance but um apple plus apple tv plus released uh boys state Mm mm-hmm which is a documentary that came out last uh, Friday. Um, again, it won the documentary Graham Jury Prize earlier this year when movies were still showing at film festivals at Sundance. Um, and it's basically about this uh, event that takes place in Texas. I think they do it in other states throughout the country, but the American Legion basically puts on this thing called Boy State, where in this case in Texas, there's a thousand young men, you know, ages like 16, 18, that are selected, they interview, they come to this event, this convention type of thing where they basically, in some sort of little bubble, they recreate a political party system. You know, they're basically learning about the political system. They are competing against one another or different, you know, they have a federalist and a nationalist party that they are members of. They're assigned to randomly. And they kind of learn about and manipulate and recreate and participate in this mock scenario of the political system and what campaigning is and the 
the seats that you know city council has and local government, state government. Again, I'm not political in general. I don't know much about. I'm not very well versed in politics. I don't understand truly all the machinations of like, you know, how people get elected and you know, a lot of that stuff. And and the documentary is really great and not really spending too much time on that stuff. It, it's enough that you can understand what these boys are going through. But um, I think the real kind of unique thing and what made me really enjoy it so much is just like the way it follows some of the characters. The, the, you know, the, obviously in a standard kind of, you know, documentary approach, they, there's like four or five, you know, kids that they follow through this whole experience, which I think was filmed two years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, so out of a thousand kids, they're following a handful of them. And, you know, different morals different ethics different stances on platform you know like they they have all these these kids are no, no not very similar but it's just a really kind of good look into what you know and, and good and bad what the future of this country can look like because you know unfortunately like you know in some ways some of these kids are most of these kids in this movie like this is what they want to do you know mm. like they want to be a part of the political system and they um the future of politics can look a lot like them unfortunately uh in some ways like i said i mean it is talked about briefly in the movie that there is like they do hold like a separate thing like for for girls like i think i guess it's called girl state that they sponsor the same kind of thing and um one of the kids makes a you know point to be like why isn't just like it called people Mm -hmm. state or human state like why are there you know so there's really there are good conversations in the movie about like things like that and you know, hot topic uh, conversations that come up in the movie uh, multiple times. But uh, there's one kid in this story who kind of, I guess I'm sure is probably going to come out of this is like the one that most people that see it are kind of talking about. But this kid named Steven Garza, um, young man from Texas, kind of, you know, immigrant. And just, he is just, or his family, you know, I think he's U.S. born, but just his story and like his place in the movie is just he's just incredible like i would vote for this kid <laughs> if he was running tomorrow you know and he's one he's running for one of the main uh the highest positions in the film in this mock you know thing that they create which is the governor of their party but um again just like project power i didn't really know anything about it i didn't even watch the trailer for it i just remember hearing about it at sundance and um just incredible it's a really really great documentary i it will for sure be nominated for an oscar i'm you know between this and crip camp i think there's two docs that you know are probably surefire nominees you know um for oscars next year but i you guys should definitely check it out if you if you have time it's on apple tv plus uh again i'm not into politics like that's not what hooked me about this mm. just the idea of like these these people just being in this scenario where like you kind of watch how like spineless you know people can be you know even when they know what they're doing is wrong you know it, it's and that's what's kind of unfortunate and it's kind of scary in some ways but then you see people like steven garza from my perspective the kid who is like the hope that I look for for the future that my daughter grows right. up in, you know, like kids like that. I'm like, hopefully that person finds a voice and a way to be the person that has that voice for a state, for a city council, for a country, whatever it is. Mm. But um, yeah, Apple TV Plus, Boys State, and again, it's like probably one of my favorite movies of the year. Oh, it sounds cool. I remember seeing that I when I was on there flipping around. But um, yeah, you definitely check it out. Apple TV Plus, man. 
They, I think whoever this board of people <laughs> that pick the content, man, I don't know what they're, they're going for the jugular, man. That they, they, they're competing on a level like that. That choices of content. I think I've only watched one thing on there that I felt was not good. Did you see like, C yet? I haven't watched it see yet. What? C what? S-E-E, the the, no, no. You the remember Momoa you talking thing. about it? Yeah, I, I need to give it some time. I haven't watched which, that. Which which one did you feel like was the only one I didn't like was the reboot of Amazing Stories. Oh, I thought that yeah, was man. What a they could, super what a, they could super have, what weak, a missed man. opportunity that was. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like absolutely like God, man. Wow, I, what a did. I mean, as much as okay, we've I'm, talked about anthology shows and how fun they can be, and like the Twilight Zone reboot and yeah. different things, it seems strange yeah. that Apple TV Plus plus Spielberg, his production arm, that they yeah. wouldn't be able to put together yeah. something really special. But yeah, it was just even yeah, when they released uh, a trailer, it was just like there weren't any there was wasn't anything that grabbed me. It didn't even seem kind of yeah. fun and campy and pulpy like like I might have thought it no. would have been. Like it's yeah, it's weird, man. They missed it on a real level. Like I. You know, yeah. I you know I trust I trust your guys' opinion. So you know when you told me you saw it and your face, <laughs> your face hadn't really changed. I'm like, oh, that's not a good sign. <laughs> your tone of your voice was weird. I was like, oh, that's watch. I'm like, this is no. But we not, finally got yeah. we got a we just just got a Fire Stick, which I hooked up down here, and so Apple TV Plus was on the television for the first time. Prior to this, I've just been watching cool. it on my computer. So Nikki watched season one of Morning Show last weekend, and kind of watching that out of the corner of my eye with while she watched it, I gotta say I I think I liked it more than I realized. Like the first time through, I was oh, kind of I was a little bit like. I don't know. I'm not a fan of that kind of Aaron Sorkin sort of this show yeah, deals with issues talking. kind of thing. Yeah. And I feel like I thought the show was a little bit in love with love with itself. Maybe the first time I watched it, but I did love, I mean, I enjoyed it. I just remember thinking the show isn't as smart as it thinks it is. But the second time through, yeah. I think I really zoned in on like what they were doing with the arc of the season. And I was really able to appreciate some of the stuff they were setting up in, in advance of what I think is the eighth episode of the season that is just devastating and, mm -hmm. and, and makes everything mm -hmm. else, puts everything else in context. Um, I yeah, think it's, yeah. as, as is often the case with something, the second viewing is when you go, oh, you know what? That, that actually was handled better than I thought. And, and of course, yeah, the acting yeah. is just fantastic. And honestly, watching so Nikki learn, like, Billy Crudup's character, Corey, like what he's going to be like, and even uh, Mark Duplass's Chip, and of course uh, Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon. Or, I mean, I think she really liked Reese Witherspoon's character from the jump, and that was something that I was like, oh yeah, I forgot. This is the kind of show where you you you, you can kind of root for different people, and everyone's kind of at odds in yeah. an interesting way. So I now I'm really interested to see what they do with the second season of that because it could go in so many different directions. You could say they've kind of... It's going to be a second season? I think so. After yeah. all that all, the, all that devastation? Uh, right. <laughs> I mean, it can't just after be a show about a morning like, show after all that, but yeah. I do think they, they have to move beyond the Mitch Kessler character for the yeah. show to work. Like, I think that Steve Carell yeah. was great at playing that kind of... Twisting his, his sort of... Michael Scott character into somebody who you can't root for and who you can't find the heart inside them. Um, and yet still, still playing Definitely. a human being. That was the thing that was really impressive to me about Steve Carell's performance is that it was loathsome, but you did think, Oh, I am kind of seeing behind closed doors. What one of these narcissists acts like when, when the house of cards 
comes crashing down um anyway yeah. no so i, yeah. I you know show, I, I was man. i enjoyed it the first time through but i honestly this time watching nikki watch it i was like oh yeah it's not just that it's kind of soapy and addictive it actually it was just an, an exceedingly well-made show so. yeah absolutely the, you know a lot of those shows man the the money's on the screen like you don't feel like like sometimes you hear there's something that has a crazy budget and you're like well where's the money like you feel like yeah. the production value of that show and every sure. other one i've seen has been out of this world man if if i mean it's the to me the only thing that's competing with hbo content like i don't like it just feels and looks all the money is there all the acting is there like i just i just feel it you know it's just i don't know it's kind of yeah. cool it's kind of cool that yeah. there's an option that feels like it's on the same level as like HBO or getting there. Let's say getting there. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's all I got. Same. Uh, Movieshmovie.com. You can find all of our past episodes there. You can subscribe on really any podcast platform. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, uh, Ronald was notating uh, in our group chat that uh, he noticed that we had like 34, 35 reviews. It's embarrassing. Um, which, uh, what, but he was shocked that it was I that many. I thought it was like 10, 15. It's like 10, yeah. So, like, we, we managed to be reminded that we have far too little, but also, you know, Ronald was pleasantly surprised. So, it's kind of like a well, wash. Well, no, it's, it's, but, I'm with Ronald in that I, I remember when we had like five or six for a long time. Yeah. So, that, I'm impressed <laughs> that we have 34. But what I am thinking of in terms of the embarrassment is just that we've been doing this for a long time. And, and yeah. I know that there's sort of a threshold number under which you don't really get the benefit of them, which is like you're all the yeah. time hearing about these ways to like fool the, the algorithm or whatever. So, I would say if you're out there listening and you haven't left us a review, then you are missing a chance to see what happens when the algorithm finds out about movie schmovie, like what would, ha you know, the, the sky's the limit, right? If, if we get in, if, if we get in good with the algorithm, if, if the three of us, there's nothing we can't do. It's all about who, you know, and we do not know the algorithm yet. Yeah. The algorithm is not answering our calls. <laughs> <laughs> the algorithm no calls you. The <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, yeah. So leave yeah. a review. Be, be, just be nice. Just do that. If you don't mind. Yeah. Um, and yeah, facebook.com slash movie smoothie. And let us know if uh, if you were able to check out Boy State. I'm curious if anybody else has watched it personally. I don't see many people talking about it, but um, if you sound interesting, check it out. Let us know what you thought of it. And any other thing that we talked about from DC, anything that you wanted to bring up on any of these, you know, comment, let us know from that panel or I mean from that uh, convention. Um, yeah, we can go from there. But. Uh, next week, just a little. Can we tease a little bit? What yeah, we're gonna do next week? Like, tease, can we just? Man. So, um, on next week's episode, we're gonna be doing uh, an early review of the Lionsgate film *Antebellum*, which is another title that initially had a planned theatrical release, and Lionsgate has decided to go the PVOD route. I, I think I don't know if they're releasing it. Uh, in theaters, we probably, we'll figure that out before we do the review, but um, I, I don't know if it's getting like a limited run like some of these titles are getting, like in countries where theaters are mm -hmm. open, but um, here, at least in the States, they're going the PVOD route, and we were able to see the movie, so we'll be talking about that next week on the podcast, so definitely tune in if that is interesting to you at all. Um, that's the Jordan Peele produced uh, Janelle Monae starring 
kind of like I guess thriller, horror thriller um, type drama. Yeah, horror thriller. We'll thriller. talk more about that. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk more about that next week. But um, so yeah, we're excited for that episode. So definitely tune in next week when we talk about that. And that's all for this episode. And as always, you have made our day. Thanks. Bye.